0: The information provided on the Finesse Your Money podcast is not intended to constitute legal, business, financial, or other professional or product advice. It is provided as general information only and is not intended as a substitute for personal advice from a qualified and licensed professional who is familiar with the facts of your particular circumstances. Ever asked yourself where your money is going? It's a common problem for businesses and people personally. Is it dumb luck to be successful with money? Or is it the smartest and most successful businesses and people that plan and know their numbers? Is your money out of control? In this first season of Finesse Your Money, we're focusing on challenges for businesses right now and practical steps that you can take to overcome them. We've also got some awesome tips from our guests about what they are personally doing to keep their money in check. Finesse Your Money is hosted by me, Janine Wilson. I've been a financial advisor for 10 years and an accountant beforehand for, well, more years than I care to say, and I'm the founder of Finesse Financial Advisors. Our guest today is Yvonne Iglesios. Yvonne is one of Australia's leading experts in personal development and transformation through the fusion of executive coaching and integrative psychotherapy. Yvonne focuses on training people to develop the skills required to strengthen their ability to process psychological stress and the confidence to know how to respond to whatever challenges they face. I can attest to her approach to transformation being sharp, hard-hitting, personal and caring all at once. Her passion is to train people to know better and ultimately do better whilst bringing more ease and self-trust into their relationships, business and personal life. Yvonne says change is the end result of all true learning. I couldn't agree more. Welcome Yvonne. Hey Janine. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm really keen to hear how your business is going. And, you know, I I think I should preface this conversation with your actually my coach. (laughs) So we've been doing a lot of really great work together recently. Uh, So what I'd love to hear from you, Yvonne, is you know, if you could tell us more about yourself growing up and what initially sparked your interest in working with people in, you know, in terms of working in the mind?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, growing up for me, I from the time I was about turning 14, so that 13th year, 14th year of my life, I started to really struggle with depression and uh, anxiety and eating disorder, behaviour, so a lot of extreme dieting. But I really battled with a lot of psychological stuff and in year sort of 10 it got worse and then in 11 and 12 I actually needed to... See the school counsellor quite consistently and also was on medication during those years because it was high stress, even though I was also the best all-rounder in school. So I was high achieving. I was playing state representative golf. I had all that going on and a big smile, but also a lot of pain um, and shame and i think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with not just when in their teens but just overall and so my own journey and the need to recover which took a long time really set me up to have this interest in psychology in why do our why do we go to the ends of our psyche like that why do we feel like for 2 years i felt suicidal like so there was all of this stuff that made me very interested And it wasn't until I went to study and become a therapist that I started to understand how powerful the unconscious was. So not just a lot of what we see in personal development that talks about how to improve ourselves, but how our relationship patterns form when we're very young. That really piqued my interest and that's when I went, right, this is is where I can actually help people to relieve that, str- the, the stress, but the suffering, you know, that we often, because I didn't realise how much I didn't know and that some information was really pivotal to helping me not feel so, so much self-loathing, so much, you know, and doing such self-sabotaging behaviours. So it was a lot of personal, my own personal journey that's informed my interest But I'd have to say that from the time I was in my early primary school through my teens, I was always the person that listened to other people. Um, And I have a little bit of a, a gift. I call it a bit of wizardry around being able to hear what's being said, but then feel what's really going on. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I agree. You are a wizard, <laughs>
1: yeah, um, for good. So definitely, my own personal experience, but realizing how you know when I was struggling with a lot of the eating disorder and, and depression and anxiety, all of that, and I was I was doing everything I was told in terms of seeing the best psychologists and and doing the things you know like staying positive and you know like exercising all the things. And it wasn't until I went and understood how much our unconscious and our early relationships, how they impact us, that I went, oh my goodness, this is why I've just been sort of feeling not kind of okay. I've been getting through life. I was still achieving things, but I really wasn't happy. And I wasn't um, what I would call that unshakable internally. I was very fragile. I could snap like that. I was unable to be in good Fun relationships,
0: yeah. And I think you know, for me, uh, you know, my listeners are probably wondering what the connection is with money. But I've talked previously about that money mindset and the things that you're saying now, Yvonne, ring really true for me too. That you know, it's those very early lessons uh, yeah. around money that can shape your life and your success with money. And I often talk about kids and money, how money doesn't go through our hands anymore and so we don't have the same connection with money and so we've got to learn lessons in a different way and a lot of those Mm -hmm. lessons are definitely learned as a child and they can certainly hold you back not just around money but in all aspects of your life so it is really important to to address those things so You know, what do you wish you had known when you were starting out in your career or life
1: in general? (laughs) I really wish that I had known early on how important some of the, the life skills that I teach people, like how important they would be fundamentally through my career, my business professional life because things like, you know, being assertive, knowing what my triggers are, you wouldn't know it now but I grew up being a very passive person which meant even though I had a lot of intellect, so I did great in all of my exams, great at uni, all of that stuff. But in terms of speaking up and speaking my truth, that's something that I've learned, something that I've trained myself in. But when I, I now wish I'd known that stuff, that I'd known how much shame and boundaries, how important they are, like, boundaries when people used to ask me to do extra work and stay behind because I was a people pleaser and couldn't stand people like saying no to people I'd go yeah sure and then I didn't realize how much I was collecting so much resentment and and we've talked about this where I say being able to say no is about really saving people from your resentment so you don't then collect it along the way. So that that stuff, I wish I'd known how pivotal it was because people would see me as a super capable person, but I I battled with those skills internally. So if I'd known that and how impactful the unconscious is and how much that impacts us and how much shame debilitates us from speaking up, I think that would have changed the early parts of my twenties for sure. And you know, like I'm getting there now, you know, obviously, and I teach it. But it, is, it's, it would have been different. Like I think about I worked in a corporate role and, and, and I was in a mostly male-dominated role and had I known how important me speaking up is or how much shame and my programming would have impacted me, I may not have left the way I did. Yeah. Right I would have stayed and I would have been like a little bit more forthcoming with speaking up with staying to to do more of what I wanted which was mm-hmm. to lead so it would have been different than if I had those skill
0: sets yeah and I think you're absolutely right when I look back over my career I the people I worked with I mean I don't think they were borderline psychopaths although I think maybe one or two of them, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, they, whether consciously or unconsciously, stole your ego Mm -hmm. and made you less confident about taking that next step in your career and from that perspective alone Mm -hmm. you know I look back at my career and say what could have I achieved had that not happened and I and I'd say to the listener the same thing that you know if you haven't made those strides in your career it's not necessarily all about you often it's people around you who steal your ego and steal your confidence and so it's really important to address those things in your life and you know get stronger. (laughs) absolutely absolutely yeah for sure so they're the things yeah so what what have you done personally to get control of your money in this current you know COVID crisis (laughs) the COVID crisis well I mean for us we we, you know me looking
1: at our any unnecessary costs you know things like our subscriptions and things that you sort of keep but don't necessarily they're not pivotal so it was clearing out some of those things and then speaking to our accountant who knows our financial sort of landscape and getting feedback and guidance from them on best things to do. I mean, we reviewed ours literally the month before any of this started to happen and had really looked at um, putting some money into like our business development, you know, so getting our brand known because we know how important the work is. So we had really focused on, we had work in the pipeline, but we've really just been focusing on, revenue and stabilizing all our other bits, you know, the expenses and reining in whatever needs to be reined in, but also keeping our business functioning. So, yeah. And I think that there's also that illusion of control. I think people, and I've got clients who felt like they've money has been set and sorted and businesses have been absolutely annihilated. So what was what we thought was control has been really an illusion. And I'm like, well, we can only really control our response and and staying as present as we can and doing what you can with the snapshot that's in front of you now, because we also don't know what's going to eventuate in the coming months
0: yeah i mean we haven't we haven't got a crystal ball and i know um, many people just kind of shut down and shut down their businesses and shut down their thinking and so you know what's been really important to my way of thinking right now is to just be opening up the channels of communication with your peers and you know people you know in business and you know trying to find those ideas and and keep things going and evolve your thinking you know so You're the co founder of Mind Strong Global. Essentially, you help people create a strong state of mind. Yep. So can you tell us more about how you go about that? Yeah, absolutely.
1: What we do is we very much take a whole person approach. So, not just focus in and zoom in on your thinking and tweaking that and making that better because we're very mindful that the person is not just what they think you know that there's a response that we have our body responds like right now where people are feeling overwhelmed and fearful and and so we take we do take a very complete look at the person and we teach them what we call the three R's which is we look at what they recognise, what are the patterns of their behaviours? What are the things they're paying attention to? What are they? What needs attention in their life? So recognising, taking them beyond their conscious and cognitive stuff to the unconscious and what might be driving what they deem bad behaviour or self-sabotaging behaviour. So recognising, we really focus in then on how they regulate themselves, and and what we mean by that is a lot of people cope. So if you think, how do I cope? what they do is they use work to numb out on. They, you know, use food to numb out on or to suppress their anger or they might drink more than, you know, as their stress might drink more. So we do things to cope and what we really focus on in that second R where we get them to, rec- to regulate is to regulate their nervous system and to be able to tolerate the feelings mm-hmm. without needing a vice. So we really, so you can see this is more about not just telling yourself to be positive, right? This is really around noticing what the behaviour is telling you. So we, we truly believe that when you understand why the behaviour is being driven, so if you're a workaholic and you focus lots on working, why is that happening? What are you trying to avoid? And if you work out what that is and sort that out, you're able to actually have better boundaries around your work or better boundaries around food if that's your vice or alcohol. So we work inside of the mess, if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> down um, in the dirt. <laughs> yeah, we, we, well, it's about not shaming people yeah, into thinking right. you should do better but actually go, hold on, every bit of you is trying to do the best they can but we need to upskill. That's all it's telling me. If you're using work or if you're using food or if you're using alcohol or anything else as a numbing agent, then we need to help upskill you and help you feel internally sh- like stronger. And then the respond, that's the third R. What we do is we really help people to learn how to respond differently to themselves, to other people, to situations. Now, that means usually moving away from a to-do list like, you know, do yoga, do meditation, do this, do that to actually speak up. set some boundaries why aren't you setting boundaries so we're looking at all the internal things like how to diffuse your triggers so that you're not highly reactive so everything's about calming that internal you know stress response and getting you to have more functional healthy ways to deal with things so it's a whole person approach not just think better You know, we don't take that NLP approach where it's change your story. It's like where that story starts from and if we can help you to see that and make it lose the, you know, power that it has over you, Mm -hmm. yeah, then we can start to give you the tools to change how you're relating to yourself and to other people.
0: Yeah, so I think a lot of people get caught up in this power of positivity, but yeah. for me, I don't know. We've yeah. spoken about this many yeah. times. For me, positivity is like fairy floss. You know, once that's melted in your mouth, you just need more of that sugar, yeah. more, more and more of that sugar. But yeah. you know, unless you're really getting down there in the <laughs> you know, back blocks of your mind and yeah. in the into what's, you know, making you feel in the gut the way you do, Mm. you you know, it's really hard to move forward, you know, and make a permanent positive change.
1: Yeah, the positivity is really just and and that's why what we look at what you recognize and positivity can be a very short term approach to fixing something. And that's not to say we endorse negativity. They're not the only two things there are.
0: They're not not (laughs) polar opposites. (laughs) Yeah, There's no bridge between them. (laughs) And
1: so positivity is actually one of the defense mechanisms that, you know, we teach people to recognize. It's like, positivity can mean I can't tolerate for example right now we have a lot of fear and a lot of grief in in society and it's like be positive actually invalidates people's experience so it's a real um, important thing and that's why we we get people noticing what are my what are my usual ways of responding and if positivity is one of them we look at where that start and, and how sustainable is that
0: Yeah. So what does it mean when you say you work with people who want to take a quantum leap into every (laughs) area of their life and they want to change their reality from the inside out? I think it's really the people that tend to come to
1: us have done work on themselves and have tried a lot of the really recommended things and still feel like there's patterns are not changing and they're starting to realise that, okay, there's something else that's going on. I'm Why am I, you know, going on my third marriage or why am I always, you know, these team members leaving my business or why am I always, you know, arguing about this thing? They want to check what the pattern is and they want to change things at a deeper level. So our work takes you out of that sort of very surface level stuff and gets you into freeing yourself internally. And whilst it can be messy, it's messier than thinking positively or it's messier than, you know.
0: I couldn't agree with you more on that score. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's messy. But at the
1: same time, what we're doing is we're helping melt away your armour, if you think of it. It's like what have I, what are my defences that I've built around me to protect me, but they as an adult have become the things that hold me back. And so what we do is we help to take that armour off. And you can only really do that by creating a space where the person feels really non-judged, you know, that they can sense empathy and that actually the people in our team can tolerate the mess because I don't need you to be happy all the time and I don't need you to be positive all the time. I need you to be
0: real. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I think one of the big epiphanies from, for me, Yvonne, in having worked with you is... Just realizing that connection between my, you know, and listeners may not know this, but people close to me know this. I've had, you know, quite a bit of ill health in the last year, but recognizing that connection and trying to address some of those things that can really help me get wholly healthy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because there's so much, like for you specifically, that so much of our well being is connected to how we suppress things or not. And so our approach is really like, how do we not get people suppressing, but real be connected and give themselves permission Mm. to embrace that messy stuff? Because that's what makes us human. That's like, they're the bits that make us real. And I think the world's dying for more realness, but we also don't know how to do it on a a global level. Yeah, true.
0: So (laughs) what do you believe is the most important thing we should be focusing on at present in our home, in our business, in our community? Yep top thing if we can stay present in the
1: moment is like such an important thing because i i see so many particularly in the business space forward thinking you know how am i going to get through this and and they think about what needs changing and how to get through this rather than how do i stay right here where i am and slow down because I think a lot of people you're hearing in words like pivot and, you know, reinvent and all of this stuff and any decisions made in that trauma response, that highly reactive response, even if it's, you know, I'm going to buy a house now, you know, like, I, I don't like where I'm living. It, it can be a reaction, you know, and some people are like, well, this has been in the pipeline. So I'm doing it now. And anything that's speeding you up, I would say slow down. Mm -hmm. so that you can just pace yourself and see, is that the right decision from a calmer space internally? And I don't think that everyone does that. They're picking up speed because if we're not privy, if we're not connected to our fear or anxieties or our overwhelm or whatever's going on inside of us, we can get really distracted because it's a comforting thing to think we're doing something versus, okay, this is big, slow down. Mm -hmm. The other thing in terms of homes and, and even in businesses, I think going from we need to get out of this guilt feeling like I'm not doing enough, I'm not working enough, I'm not, you know, like I'm being cruel to my kids. This is really important for people to feel like good enough is enough right now. And that means that realizing if you are, I mean, if you're a parent, I've got a five year old and homeschooling. A five-year-old means I've got to be there. I've got to read the stuff off the screen, you know, like so it means that, Yep, yeah, I'm not going to do or be as productive. Thank God I've worked through my stuff to know I'm not going to feel guilty, like I'm not turning up to my business enough, that actually circumstances have changed and that's okay, but I think a lot of parents are seeing it a lot on social where it's like feeling like they're being horrible to their kids because they're not being present. And then other business leaders, I'm I'm being horrible to my team and I can't help it because I'm just my mental bandwidth is stretched. And I think doing good enough is okay. That doesn't give you permission to be an absolute pain to everyone, but it does mean understanding, a bit more compassion, and the more you slow down, then the likelihood is you won't be as reactive. So our work and our profession is really get some help if you need it. That, you know, getting support is, I, I think it's good all the time, but in situations like this when you need the support to do that because it's its something, if you're not used to these scenarios, which none of us are, getting added support can be really important. So don't distract yourself from what you're feeling by getting busy allow it and, you know, getting all my, all my clients like journal a little bit more than you would every other time, because you're going to, you're going to be feeling a lot in business, in life with your partner. If everyone's in the house, you might be more irritable. You might be, you know, realizing something really needs my attention.
0: Slow Mm -hmm. down. Biggest, biggest takeaway. Yeah. So I love that. Have more compassion for yourself, get help when you need it, recognize that you need the help Mm -hmm. and support because who wouldn't now it's a completely new world right now yeah and the other thing was you know just really i look back and i was watching a recording i did over a year ago called slow money and you know it was really about you know, taking stock, slowing down, we're all rushing around to hustle something or pivot something or change something. And, you know, I'm guilty too. I've asked, uh, I've asked many people recently, what have they done to pivot their business, which makes it sound like they needed to do something quick. And lots of people have, but sometimes, you know, it's okay to take your time to figure out what what that business looks like. I think the problem is if you aren't actually still considering what that looks like and you've sort of gone within your shell and said, okay, it's all over. Yeah. yeah. Stop I think both I want to get off
1: <laughs> yeah and I think both of those responses whether it's like stop I want to get off versus quick pivot and because intellectualizing and keeping busy is a defense mechanism and it can be I can't tolerate what's going on quick give me something to do mm. and so both of those responses can land you in a place you don't want to be in fundamentally mm. you know in in a month or two and so we've got a saying we always say to our clients when in doubt don't <laughs> you know it's like and all, oh, it's like, when in doubt, don't, you know, if you're not clear, if it's not like, if it's not a good feeling, then just slow down, wait, mm. rather than just take action. I don't, you know, I think a lot of people really push, take action is better than, you know, being static. And it's like, well, action without pause is, can be catastrophic because you can be taking the wrong action.
0: Yeah. Oh, and completely agree. Mm-hmm. I hadn't considered it in that way when I was asking that question, but I'm going to be much more, you know, <laughs> omnipresent when I when I say that. The reason yeah. I ask it is so people, other people, can learn from what other, you know, what others have yeah. been doing. But um, when you put it in that context, I think mm, actually, yeah, you're right. I was talking to a neighbour who told me that they pulled all their money out of super and put it against their mortgage. I said, "Oh, have you done it?" And she, yes, I've done it. And it's like Please don't do that.
1: Yeah, late.
0: <laughs> yeah. really. People are wanting to feel
1: safe and they do, they can often react in a way and think that's what's going to do it. And so it's like, great, if I've got my money close to me, then I'm safe. And it's like, no, if you can attend to the feeling of reassuring yourself that you are safe and that, you know, that, that neighbor is fearful of is uncertainty. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen next. What if things get worse? And get that, but people are acting out, and that's why I say slow down. You oh, yeah. know, because you you can do that knee jerk reaction, and it be absolutely the wrong step. Yeah. And you know, it's that we're fearful now, but we're not going to be in this situation forever. It's right now, and it's it's creating a lot of fear.
0: And in in my neighbor's case, I just wish she'd knocked on my door. <laughs> yeah. So get that support, Uh, you know, ask people and get some help if you need it. Absolutely. So how can we set ourselves up for the future? You know, is this as simple (laughs) as setting aside our fears or feeling, you know, finding some sort of calmness? You know, what are the next steps? Mm -hmm. I think that
1: it's impossible to set aside your fears. I think that people try to, um, but inevitably, like this neighbour is a perfect example. It's like when they're trying to put aside their fears, what action they take can be the wrong action so it's like we have at the moment and I think this is a lot of people have done this we're trying to give away free information because they want to be of service and it's information overload we actually don't need that much information we need a bit more stillness right like as in we need to not but we need to be discerning what information do I take in I don't need to know every single Hour what's going on with covid i don't need to know every single hour what my business guru is telling me i should do it's like breathing and staying sane is really important yeah. you know like it's like and i and this is the thing is you know the way to set yourself up for the future is to set yourself up for the present it's like the more i can be in this moment the more i can tolerate my feelings without being reactive like taking all my super out and putting it into my mortgage, then I need to start recognising what's going on for me, staying in the now, so that I can then know what's the best way to respond because that person, if they were calmer, if they had regulated their system, might have gone, hmm, maybe I should talk to a financial planner before I do something like that. Even though I'm, I think that's the thing I should do, maybe speaking to someone might be useful right now. Yes right? So that thing of being able to stay with ourselves is important. People don't realize is we're going through stages of grief because we have lost a lot. People have lost their dreams in an instant like that. You know, it's literally just having a conversation saying, you know, people would have been launching businesses for January 1st, 2020, you know, cafe, putting in fittings, doing all of that. And in a couple of months, the dream has disintegrated. And so that thing of knowing that we're going through phases of of grief and, you know, knowing that we go through denial when we do that, we go through anger, we go through, you know, like there's certain phases, but we don't. All know where everyone is on that scale of you know grieving, but the more we can be present and know that okay, I'm noticing my anger spraying out a little bit. I might need to calm my world down, my internal world down, because I'm getting narky with my team. I'm getting narky with my clients. You know, like I don't want to be here. <laughs> and it's like see your behaviour mm. as information. Right, and so if you're staying up too late, if you're you know losing your temper at your kids or someone in your team, that I'm okay, my checklist now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think that everyone has elements of this, you know, it's like that thing of I'm being a horrible, you know, partner, you know, whatever it is. But it's like the more we can realise, right, there, we are going through stages of grief. There's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of people are like, I don't want to be negative. It's time to be loving and positive. It's like the reality is inside of a trauma, you never say to someone, inside of a loss, you never say to someone, you know, we're all in this together. I know exactly how you feel. Well, someone who's lost their business compared to someone who's absolutely fine and, you know, not impacted financially, they can't say that. Mm. They can't say, I oh, know what you we're all in this together, because that person's saying, Really, have you lost your business? Yeah. You know, it's that thing of going, we're all having a different impact. Yeah. Uh, everyone's being impacted differently by this. And the more I can be present to what my experience is, that's really important.
0: And I think it's, you know, having some understanding that we're all, even though we're all experiencing yeah. COVID, that, yep. you know, we're all experiencing it in a different way and being understanding of that. And, mm. you know, again, ha- having not just compassion for yourself but compassion for others but being sensible about it. You know, if if you haven't lost your business and you're talking to someone that's lost their business, you aren't going to say, I know how you feel because I don't know how you feel. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we sort of move down the questions, I've got some actual things you can say. What are the things that I do say to people when that's the case? Because you can go, oh, my God. And you can be asking, you know, like I know we've all been trained to are you okay? And it's like the reality is in a situation where we feel lots of grief and lots of sadness and lots of anger that we don't tend to say, yeah, I'm okay, (laughs) you know, like or you'll say I'm fine or no and the person will be shocked so it's that thing of how do we connect with one another in a way that's not, yeah, I'm fine or no, I'm not, and that's the end of the conversation because at the moment what we need is that, that sense of empathy and compassion for yeah. one another.
0: Yeah. So in this crisis, um, what yeah. are the facts that people should know and who should okay. they trust? Look, I think... I'm going to speak particularly around the,
1: the mental stuff because I think if someone's trying to make a financial decision like your, your neighbour, that they should seek someone with your qualifications, right? Mm-hmm. Like True. in the sense of when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling, you know, anxiety, when I'm feeling stressed and I'm burning out, that's where I think there are a lot of people who say they know about mental health or they understand it and it's... it's it, Just like anything, there will be people going, I needed to pivot my business. I used to be a trainer in something, so now I'll do this and mental health is going to be a big wave and, you know, it's that thing of, oh, people need marketing, people need mental health work. What I will say to people is be very mindful of who you choose to take guidance from when it comes to your psychological well-being because if you think about it, someone who's had the experience of needing brain surgery they can say what their experience was, but that doesn't qualify them to be a brain surgeon. Yes. We've had this conversation. We have had this conversation and I think it's really important because just because you've had the experience or just because you've gone and done, and I'm going to say an NLP course or a course that's a mental health first aid, that does not then qualify you for understanding deep trauma and understanding how to help people in that psychological space. Because what happens is when someone finally feels brave enough to actually get help, if they are confronted by someone or approached by someone who doesn't have the right training, what can happen is they think, if that's the help I'm getting, I'm not doing it. And it, it makes them retreat. And then what we have is, is a society that feels like there's not good help out there. And I can say to you, I've had that experience where you know I was trying to reach out and I got Really subpar, you know, prefer, even though they were the go to people, I think that the fact they weren't trained in that unconscious and un- didn't understand trauma, didn't understand what really goes on for people, meant that I retreated and I ended up suffering for many years. So people need to ask questions about who the person is that I'm getting help with. And we've talked about this, you know, like someone with the experience doesn't necessarily, and coming up with cool slogans doesn't mean that they know how to help you. Because a lot of what is recommended by those, the people with a little bit of training or a little bit of knowledge or personal experience are things like, and you can Google them, like make sure you go for a walk and make sure you, you know, avoid foods that make you more anxious and so they're very surface solutions mm. to actually emotional problems yeah and so that that happened that means people feel worse off because in this scenario where what we're currently experiencing people will feel worse because those things like yoga or meditation or having you know therapy or aromatherapy won't always cut it because that's not going to teach me how to do better relationships. It's not going to teach me how to tell you you're annoying me. It's not going to, you know, it's not teaching you the things that cause more distress.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's just going to put more steam in the pressure cooker (laughs) absolutely and and they're
1: with the right skill set because i'm not a believer that people should manage anxiety or any mental health issues or stress forever and a day with the right skill set that you don't have to you can of course you know yes there's stress and pressure externally
0: but how you process it is really important yeah Great advice. Yep. So what are three common questions that people are asking you right now? Yeah. Common
1: ones are, how do I manage other people? Like people are stressed and they're getting defensive and I'm talking to them and I'm noticing they're walking away. It could be your spouse is walking away or a team member gets really narky, you know, and it's... So they're asking about how do I manage other people? So a lot of what we do is teach people like looking for what are defence mechanisms, what are... Because I'm always in the belief that, Everyone's doing the best they can with the skills that they've got in terms of how they relate to others. So seeing that behaviour as information and being a bit more curious is really important. But that's one question, how do I manage other people? How do I deal with my own guilt for not being the best version of myself right now? And I think that that's really around people's expectations that they need to be their best selves all the time, you know, being happy or high-vibing or whatever it is they tell themselves. And the reality is... When you're going through something, you turning up today is going to look different to turning up when there's not a global crisis, mm. right? And it's not because people go, oh, you make excuses. It's like, and it's like not making excuses. It's having empathy and compassion for the fact that we're going through crazy times and that it's not about showing up as if nothing's happening because that is unhealthy, Yes, right. It's unhealthy to just keep showing up and pretending like it's all good. And this, like, you know, I don't want to talk about any of it. It's like, it's happening. This stuff is happening. And the more you can actually be okay with it, the better. I'm not saying accept it all. But it's that thing of don't just pretend like there's nothing and you should be fine. So that's another one. And the, always, the other one is people are not always asking the right questions is what I was going to say to you. Like I often get asked, well, I got stuck on my, my social platform last night for like three hours or I ended up staying late, be, like beyond what I should. And I know I shouldn't. So things like that. And they want to ask a question. How do I stop doing that, Yvonne? And I always go, okay, the question is really what were you trying to avoid that made you stay up? what were you trying to avoid that actually got you to stay on social for three hours? So getting them to change the question and focus on something different, that being more curious rather than that's the problem, let me fix it. It's like, well, that's the, that's the fallout of the actual problem. The actual problem is maybe you didn't speak up to someone and you're annoyed. So you ended up numbing out on social media and they're like, Whoa. So getting people to think differently. Like I get asked questions like that. Like I I overate or I, you know, drank a bit more. I'm drinking a bit more than I want to. And it's like, right, let's look at what's the the behavior, what's the scenario you're trying to avoid that's leading to that. So I gave you the questions, they give me the questions, but I get them asking the right questions. Questions. Yeah, cool.
0: So have you made any changes to the way you do business since this pandemic started? I mean, for me, I've known you online. (laughs)
1: yeah Yeah. look most of the, the work we do has always been online um you know our online groups our online we've got an online course that we then do um online work with the difference really has been for us there's been some clients i see in person that Everyone's online now. Obviously, we're not seeing people in person. But the difference is rather than seeing ourselves as training and development, we do that. But what we are also offering is how we come in and embed ourselves into a team to help them to decompress, to teach them how to do that. High pressure scenarios. Most people, even if they're in HR, even if they've done lots of leadership they are not trained to know how to deal with trauma when it's actually happening. And that's our specialty. Like that's what our training in in psychotherapy has been understanding systemically what's going on and what happens for the person. So we're coming in and embedding ourselves, making us integral to keeping teams and leaders and and professionals, you know, sane and, you know, not necessarily calm, but just able to get through and then continue to sort of integrate the learnings
0: yeah that's brilliant so yep. what's your best advice for businesses right now, looking after themselves and their teams and so on
1: yeah the thing i 'm saying is it 's not what happens that 's the key it's how what how we deal with what happens and so right now we 've got a crisis, and what I keep saying to my business leaders is if you only focus on business strategy like How do I pivot? What do I do? And if you're only focusing on how you're going to be impacted economically and you're making decisions based on that and you're not able to hold in mind that you have to do things with compassion, with empathy, thinking about the human collateral damage, what is going to happen if we're highly charged and and our relationships inside and outside of our business are falling apart we're going to be six months down the track and you might have a viable business, but no one's going to be wanting to work with you. No one's going to want to live with you. We need to make sure that we think about the relationships we've got with ourselves. Cause there's no point being viable, but six months down the track, you're burnt out because you avoided yourself or ignored your needs back now. Yeah. Right. So that human, the human aspect And not just like tokenistic, yeah, we we signed up and did a resilience online course. That's not what I'm talking about because learning something, you know, like intellectually does not mean that you know how to embody it, does not mean that you know how to be compassionate towards yourself and other people and understanding. And that's why really learning how to have more compassion, less judgment and focusing on the human, it has to be integral to actually what you're doing in your business right now and what you're doing for yourself, whether you work on your own or whether you've got a team. Paying attention to yourself is pivotal right now and doing it in a caring way. It's so
0: really doing the work, doing the deep work.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it's that you can't, you've got to go beyond the tick and flick. You've got to go beyond the, okay, well, I looked after my team because we did a, you know, a fun being thing. it's like, well, it doesn't, that's irrelevant right now. Fairy floss. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's fairy floss. And it's really not going to cut it right now because you can have everyone working alone. And if you're not working out, how do we keep our relationships going well? Our business going well, what you'll have in six months' time, if that's how long this takes, I have no idea, three months, when everyone's coming back into the office, you're going to have a big ball of resentment and anger that's going to be coming out sideways. And so it's like... It's going to come out somewhere. It's going to come out somewhere and it will be costly then. And so that thing of I need to work out how do I care for myself and my team... I don't care for my team the only way I know, you know, like if, if you're at home and you're a business owner and you like drinking wine to relax, I don't just go, right, I'll just get everyone a bottle of wine because that'll work at it, work it, out, you know. It's like it's more the relationship, right? Like how I'm speaking to my team is really important and I can only do that better if I
0: feel like I'm cared for and I'm supported. So get the support you need. Mm. so uh, it's interesting you said oh i'm drinking wine at home i'll get everyone a bottle of wine it, it's been a bit of a bug there of mine for about 20 years my husband doesn't drink alcohol but a couple of companies he's worked for every year they give him a bottle of booze wow well oh, that's pretty yeah. irresponsible they've never even asked him about whether he drinks yeah. alcohol and <laughs> yeah
1: but well, it's also not taking the time to to know that your person if he's yeah. been in in those teams and realize that oh he doesn't drink
0: yeah, so I I think that's just a prime example of what might build resentment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's come and out somewhere,
1: I mean, this what we've got is we need people to feel like they're seen and heard, you know, like acknowledged, and and you can't just do that with here. I bought you this course to do, or well, here, let's get a let's get together and huddle, or well, here, let's do a Friday afternoon online drinks. It's like those things are not necessarily going to make a person feel like they're connected and valued. And I think that's what it's like, fine, I absolutely understand businesses need to be viable economically. They cannot, you know, you can't do something that's not sustainable. But at the same time, you have to think, great, we could get through this, but we need a team at the end of it because it's going to end at some point. And when we come through it, we need our team to feel like they're rock solid and and supported. And
0: people are feeling so much more sensitive right now. Really reality it's you know it's is it the fear of the unknown or you know even just not knowing when this thing might end i mean people are worrying about that they might have kept their job for now but will they have kept it if this thing goes on for six months or you know what about if it's 12 absolutely unknown, isn't it Yeah. yeah there's there is a lot of unknown and the only thing you can ever
1: do is you know, be as honest as you can in the moment and and that's like if you're someone who's always trying to be optimistic but not really sitting with, okay, well, I might be optimistic but other people might be fearful, Mm. you know, like and and I have to have compassion for that, that they might be fearful and I feel like everything's going to be okay but it's that. So getting better at communication is important and so I think that's key.
0: Yeah. so what values underpin you as a human and your business as well and why are they so important mm-hmm. for you <laughs> well you'll be able to vouch for these because i
1: i live them and it's what makes our business it's part of the dna of me and and, and the business fundamentally and that's the first one is being brave and for me being brave is like i'm going out on a limb and i'm gonna you know go into the depths of something i'm not just sort of scratching the surface you know like i'm not just doing that sort of tokenistic stuff it's not like i look like i'm going to do change work i'm in there and anything like i've that.
0: that's right
1: <laughs> yeah and and being brave i think that a lot of people think being brave means going out like this all the time and sometimes being brave actually letting down a wall is it's actually being vulnerable. yeah
0: vulnerable.
1: And, and that's that's more for us that that thing of i'm putting myself out there and i feel you know, vulnerable and that's okay. And helping, for us, it's helping others to do the same, to know that the, you know, the armour that they've had up all of their life to get through their upbringing doesn't need to be there and they can drop it and feel safe doing it. So for us, it's very much that be brave is like embracing vulnerability. And if I haven't done it myself, I'm not going to ask you to do it right? So it's like, and I I embody all the bits of our business. I don't just know them intellectually. Mm -hmm. So that's one. The other one is empathy. That means for me, empathy is really, I have an emotional robustness, which means I can tolerate you being messy. I can tolerate you falling apart. And in fact, I very much invite that because I've done it myself. I know how scary it can be, but I also know that I don't, because people blur sympathy and empathy, you know, I don't need to be in there with you. There's going to be times I'm not going to be liked because I'm going to be about helping you to really, you know, raise, grow up those bits of you that need more help right now. So that empathy is for me, if you think if a toddler was crying, I don't jump in there and start crying with the toddler right like I help to calm the toddler I encourage I acknowledge what they're going through like and then I'm emotionally robust to not go oh my god me too like I don't cry with the toddler like it's like I'm emotionally (laughs) robust enough to hold the space for the toddler right so it's very much that and finally I think the last one I hate using the word but it's the only one I can I can name which is being authentic and I hate it because I think a lot of people use it and it's a it's a topical it's a it's a word that gets thrown around a lot. Um, and I think people think that they're authentic, but they're often an adapted version of who they're really meant to be. You know, like if I'm meant to be a people, please, like, you know, people, are people, please. And they go, I feel like I'm authentic. And so when I say authentic, that it's like, I can be raw, you know? And I think you've seen that when you sit in videos with me, when I'm doing my lives, I, it's like, you get to hear my experiences which are messy and uh, all of that because it encourages then other people to be able to do the same. That for me is authentic. It's like I don't want you to be an adapted version of yourself that makes you feel tired. I want you to feel calm. I want you to feel okay in your skin. So they're really, I'd say they're the
0: three that are part of the DNA of me and, and the business. Yeah, and and I can absolutely acknowledge what you've just said because I know I'd spent a lot of time listening to your lives and participating there, but it wasn't really until I let those walls start to get really broken down yeah. and understand how that breaks yeah. down and then how that can be rebuilt. I think it just turned a switch on in, in my head when I made that realisation. Yeah. Yep. Tell us three things that you've learned this past month. Three things. First thing is that
1: we really have a lack of empathy in the business world and political world. I think that knowing, and I say that because I think shame has us doing a lot of crazy things and we need more empathy, more understanding for one another. And so the inability of feelings being okay in the business and political world mean that we end up being quite cold and, and people feel more isolated. I, I've seen even before this crisis there was, a, there was major issues with mental health and burnout and, and stress. And I think that uh, the lack of empathy, the lack of acknowledging any kind of feeling, like we're, we're cool to talk about marketing, sales and pivoting, but we aren't okay to talk about, you know, the messy bits of our humanness and that there's grief and rage and all of those things, we need to be able to do that so that the business and political world is more real. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's been a major one that I've I've seen and, and the need for more empathy and more compassion without all the judgment, without like stop making excuses, you should be this and, you know, all of that sort of... Ra stuff um you know it, it's like it's great you know going to a workshop and getting that uplift but you know we don't live in those states they're not real they're not sustainable and so i think they create a lot of shame where really we need to create more vulnerability and connection um i think another one is like everything is changing and nothing certain and the more capable you are internally of tolerating the uncertain the better you are to get through life. And I think that is one of the major things I've learned that, you know, people who, and I've had clients who feel like they had finances sorted or businesses sorted and they've just crumbled, collapsed because of a couple of major decisions from government. I mean, an unforeseen risk. So the more you can tolerate the uncertain, the better. And the other one is, I've just been reassured of how important our work is and how important helping people to feel skilled internally to process stress healthier, in a healthier way. How important it is that more people get to learn what the three R's are and understand the skills that, help them to not feel shame and not feel overwhelmed and not feel anxious and all of that. It really is. So it's like, it's given me a little boost. And I know a lot of people doing this where it's like, I know how important my work is. And and the fact that we're taking a lot of what we've learned in psychotherapy to the business world, I think it's like, I really know the value of these skills for business leaders and their teams. It's pivotal.
0: So what are the top three tips for our listeners today? Something they can do right now to help themselves, their business or their teams in the long run. Yeah. And these are like, I'm going to give
1: you some practical stuff. So be curious, you know, really be curious with your partner, your team member, your child, when something is a little out of character, when you're noticing something, be curious, like what's going on, like just an open-ended question, rather than go, why are you doing that for? Like, (laughs) Like literally just being curious and going, hey, I'm noticing this. What's going on? You know, do you want to talk to me? You know, asking questions, listening. Like listen without the judgment if you can listen. Like I'm doing this with my five-year-old watching him and there's things he's doing and I'm like, do you want to tell me what's going on right now? And I'll be able to get, I'm really sad. Like so he's doing something which is really out of character and we'll get to, I'm really sad I don't get to play with my friends at school anymore. I have to be here with you. And I'm like, yeah okay get it <laughs> it's like it's, uh, I'm, I'm so not fun <laughs> I'm not as fun as a five-year-old climbing trees and equipment get it you know like so that's That's some of that stuff and um, don't try and fix things. So like don't try and fix your partner. Don't try and fix your child. Don't try and fix, see all the behaviour as information. Like so it's like, okay, I haven't got the skill set. Remember when we're stressed, our ability to articulate decreases. So behaviour is good information and be mindful of your words. You you know be able to say stuff like if someone's saying oh, I'm not fine I've just lost my business or I don't know if I'm going to be able to feed my Child or you know pay my rent whatever it is not saying you'll be right. We're all in this together Everyone's in the same boat, you know, like suck it up kind of a thing It's like be able to say I'm really sorry, and I don't actually know what to say that is more real yes. That's more connected right, that person's going to go, oh, great, I'm not just being invalidated and shamed for actually, pour, you know, pouring my heart out and let the person just sit with that and say, I'm here for you, I don't know how I can help, but I'm here and we'll get, you know, I'm, I'm going to help you however I can. Yeah. Literally, it's like without not needing to fix, you know, not, I know a lot of people doing great gestures, but it's like if you just did a gesture and miss the person it can escalate that sense of isolation and loneliness and all the really um, extreme thinking we can get. So more connection if we can. Curious.
0: Beautiful. So where can we find you online and do you have any go-to resources to help our listeners today? Yeah, so I was going to say definitely you can find MindStrong Global on
1: LinkedIn, Facebook and obviously our website. But what we're also doing is letting people book in a 30-minute call for $97. So if they actually need to decompress and they want to just run something by us, they can. If they, you know, we'll help as much as we can in the call, but then there's always the opportunity to do more work but you know that there's that offer we are having some more actual hands-on reports coming out around how do you diffuse your own triggers and and stuff like that they're coming the next week but
0: follow us website and LinkedIn. Yep. I cannot thank you more highly. It's been great to hear your thoughts and ideas today, Yvonne, and, you know, I think I should probably buy a 10-pack of those $97. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no worries, darling. Thank you so much. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the show today and have some action steps you can take right now to get control of your money. Join me, Janine Wilson, next time for Finesse Your Money. Meantime, head to my website, www.finesseadvisors.com or email me at admin at finesseadvisors.com to claim a gift voucher for a discovery session with me valued at $150. Make sure you put gift voucher in the headline.